All right. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you something spectacular. Thanks for the clock. I guess there's no clock. Good luck with it this week, guys. Okay. All right. So um, I want to I wanna just show you something that is just spectacular to me. All right? I got to read this. Normally, you know, I don't use notes and so on. But you'll see why in a second here. Because I just, you know, I could do this by just looking at the names and say it. But I actually had a little plan here. Okay? So let me work the plan. So Sandy Campbell. Sandy Campbell comes into the office once every week for five hours in order to help Julie get all of the rooms scheduled right. Do you remember about this church and this building? We have four churches in here. We have two schools in here. And we have a host of other tenants and people that use it for community events and so on. This, the vision of this church was that it would be 24-7 community center. That's precisely what it is before school programs, after school programs. All kinds of stuff is happening here all of the time with a whole bunch of different people. Any one of our rooms can be used by as many as six or seven different groups throughout the week. So you can imagine some scheduling and some stuff has to happen so that everybody's happy to do that. Well, Sandy comes in for five hours every week to help that happen. Now, that's just incredible. But listen to this. Larry Worlius, just as of late, he's been coming in for an hour and a half every day after work and working the landscaping around the building. Ed Bechtold, he comes in every single week, and he helps prepare dinner. We prepare dinner for, it can be over 100 people regularly. And the bottom line is he prepares dinner for the Bible studies and for the youth group and for all the people that are around here. If you don't come around here on Wednesday night, you're missing something. It's a really fun time around here on Wednesday night, okay? So the bottom line is, is we cook dinner for everybody. Ed comes in and does that. And when Ed's here, because he's a talented guy in other areas, guess what? You know, we find out some wiring that needs to happen or one of those things we might put out on the street and that'll wire that for us and do that kind of stuff. Um, for three years now, Dee Woodbury has been showing up and just helping Julie. Now, she helps other people too, but really pretty much she's been just helping Julie and, and just being a right arm for her and doing the things that Julie needs to get done because she just has a lot on her plate. Can I say it that way? Um, Kelly Tompkins, you do realize that Kelly Tompkins pastors an entire community inside our community of people in recovery. This guy is a pastor to the east side. We're talking all kinds of people. He pastors them, and then, just because he has so much spare time on his hands, which he does not, he comes in and keeps this building running. I want you to realize that when we bought this building, the church that was here before had two and a half people on full-time salaries in order to keep this building running, in order to keep it maintained and all that kind of stuff. And they were using it much less than we do. So you, we, we have nobody full-time, really. I mean, that's the truth, right? And yet what we've got is... People like, well, uh, let me go to another one, Stephanie Racky. She's been coming in every week to stuff bulletins, help with the office. And here's a really cool thing that she does. When we do something, there's these people that we know they're in prison for one reason or another, right? So Stephanie will put a little packet together to send to them to keep them in touch, let them know that somebody's thinking about them, caring about them. I mean, is that cool? Right? Josh Morris. Josh we're tens of thousands I don't think covers I'm sure that we're probably in the hundreds of thousands of dollars that over the 10 years 14 however long he's been here but the point is is Josh comes and fixes everything for that he gets this well he also gets a lot of thanks but the point is I mean the sign breaks out front you know how much it costs for us to have the people come and fix that sign but Josh if Josh doesn't know how to fix something He'll figure out how to fix it. <laughs> and then he fixes it. And it's just awesome. And he, anyway, Sharon Becker, Jan Ray, Joan Probert, and a bunch of other people come in, work on contributions, do stuff in the office, just, just hang around and do things like that. Awesome. John Martin comes in all the time. If there's something that, that we need done, we say, John, could you do this? And John is another one of those guys who can just pretty much do anything. I mean, he's a programmer at Microsoft, and yet he's fixed half this building at one time or another. Chris Shelton, uh, what, have, what have we not thrown at you over the decade or more? <laughs> I mean, seriously, just everything in the kitchen sink and then some. Um, Lingshaw comes in every week and prepares your communion. She does that because she believes in that and she wants to contribute in that way. Win-Win comes in every week, does a bulletin, stuffs them in the, in the stuff. John Watson, John Watson is just this guy. John, could you help me with this? Yes. 
<laughs> he, he'll set up chairs. He'll fix stuff. He's, again, a very talented guy. Molly McGowan cleans up the kitchen, takes all kinds of things. Karen Steen, now here's a cool thing. Karen Steen comes in, and she dusts. Now just think about that for a second. Who thinks about that? Well, Karen does, because that's the way that God made her. So Karen comes in, and she goes around, and she dusts a couple of times a week. Um, you know, on Sunday morning, it's just so many people, you know, the Hansons and the Mungers, and just on and on it goes, the kind of people that come in and that get the treats and that get everything set up and get everything ready for you to come so that it can be a great time with one another. Dave Vellata, another one of these really handy guys that can fix a lot of things. Well, guess what Dave also did? He's working in a building. He has a real job, you know what I mean, something else. And he finds out, we, he knows that we need carpet. We're raising money for it and so on. He finds 1,800 square feet of unused carpet, which is about one-third of the job that you see out there. And he just gets it to us for free. <laughs> Come on now. Pat Claiborne, Pat Claiborne is a mother to this neighborhood. She, don't, she doesn't just take care of our kids. She takes care of kids all over the community, does all kinds of things behind the scenes to make it work for them, and then is just there for those kids, so much so that one of the churches, the Indian church that meets here, they started using her because she's so good at taking care of kids. Um, uh, Michael Kelly. Michael Kelly runs the council. Oh, God, thank you so much for answering that prayer. Michael Kelly runs the council. But you know what he also does? Michael Kelly loves trains. If you've ever been to his house, you've seen this really cool train setup he does. So he's really good with soldering and so on. So we've got these pedals that are going bad and a light board that's going bad. Michael Kelly comes in and fixes all of that stuff for nothing. Um, amen. Um, here, uh, let me just keep going. Look at Dave McCarthy. Ann Cooper, on Saturday, Ann Cooper, I was going to talk about her. Ann Cooper is out there working on the flowers. Just, you know, just doing her thing, right? Just showing up, working on the flowers, making the flower beds look nice. Uh, Maureen Thatcher, Kathy Urban, Paul Hawkins, John Batterman, Steve Agard, Donna Byron, Mike Byron, Leslie Vincent. How many people, in the, here's the church rule, 80-20. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Here is the spectacular reality of this church. It's like... 80% of the people do 80% of the work. And the other 20%, welcome. <laughs> Glad to have you here this Sunday. Because pretty much, if you're I just look around the room. There's so many names that I didn't mention. By the way, let me say, all the names that I did mention are really upset with me right now. Okay, they can't believe that I did that because, you know, they didn't, it wasn't about stealing blessings from heaven. They're just kind of like in this place where they're like, they don't do this because we've asked them to do it. They do this because they're part of a family. Because this is what you do in a family. This is what a family is. You know, a church isn't a consumer place. A church is a body. A church is a family. And these people are involved, and they're committed, and they're just doing things. And I literally am looking around the room at all the names I didn't call, and I could go, boom, 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 boom. It's just, this is the funnest church to pastor. Can I say something? I've actually been a lot of different places. I have never seen what this church does in the degree that they do it. Just the way that people take on. I'm watching Kimberly carry one of those babies. Kimberly's been doing our women's Bible studies for three years just because just that's what she believed in. That's what God was calling her to. Again, if I start doing this, it's going to go bad, okay? You'll be here all day. It, this is a, an, an amazing family. Here's what we're going to talk about today. What God can do with that. And I, just, I don't even mean by having to do more. Remember, what our, what our series is about is called Simple. Do I have this up here? Do I have anything anywhere? Okay, thank you. Uh, but that wouldn't be what I want. I'd want my sermon instead. Uh, I'll get to it after the break. Here's what I want to do. I really, yeah, thank you guys. That's, here's the whole part about Simple. Like, when you get saved, what did you do compared to what he did? Like, if you were to take the percentages of what happened in your life because you made this decision to accept him and what he'd done for you, what was the percentage of stuff that's happened? How much of it has been you and how much has been him? Is there anybody that can get below about 99.999999% of it was really God doing all kinds of stuff? 
because we just did the smallest things towards him? That's the principle, right? The principle is, is that when we do these really simple things, when we just step out, when we be what God wants us to be, we don't take it on as good works. We don't take it on as a burden. We take it on because it's just simple. It's easy, actually. There may be a lot of resistance to it. We're going to talk about that. But the bottom line is, is when you do that, what happens? God shows up. And what we're going to talk about today is, is what happens when God shows up? What happens when a body is being like this? And we're going to talk about this in some depth. And I can't wait for you to hear because we're going to do something with the carpet today that is just going to be a blast. Okay? So that's where we are headed. Who's our prayer? Oh, awesome. Adam Carpenter. You're actually going to hear from him quite a bit in two seconds. So that's one of the reasons why we'd have him do it. So pray for the sermon. Pray for another church. God, we're just so excited to be here today. God, I just pray for open ears and hearts, God, as, as we explore what it is to be your church. Just pray for Kurt as he speaks, God, just wisdom on him today, God. And I also pray for Eastside Foursquare, and specifically the youth group, God, as they begin new leadership changes there. Um, I just pray for an awesome um, growth in that group, God, and just be with them as they meet this morning. Thank Jesus you, Lord. Name. Amen. Hey, Mark, what's the name of your church? Okay, so I just want to say that again a little louder so everybody can hear it. Everybody Genie Face Center. I just want to get it right. Cheney Face Center. I knew that, but I, it sounded like you were saying genie, and I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray for Mark's church. We pray for Kate's church. We pray that as they're here today fellowshipping and, and having a good time here, that in Jesus' holy and precious name that you are there in power and that you are making a difference in their people as they have given their church to you this Sunday, as they do every Sunday but they give it to you in a special way as they come here to be able to be relaxed and to know that you've got that congregation in your hands and that you are making a massive difference as the church is the church. So thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a great couple, by the way. You guys want to get to know them, okay? He's easy to spot, okay? Tall. All right. So, uh, like I said, we're in our simple series, and what we're doing is we're going through this, and, and I want to just give us a thought, all right? God has done this really cool thing to help us help other people. And here's what it is. When you help someone else, even if you didn't want to, what happens in you? Don't you just kind of feel good? Right? I mean, I mean, sometimes if it's like really easy to help them, it's like a little bit to make you feel good. But sometimes, you know, it's really like, wow, I really don't want to do that. But then, you know, you realize it really is God, and so you really do do that, and then what happens to you? It's like this direct correlation between the amount that you're giving, and it may not even be a big thing, but the amount that you're doing, and there's this sort of like getting over the hump that has this reward right in it, that has this, wow, man, I really feel good that I did that. Now, I'm proposing to you that God is the one who has built us like that to help us want to actually do it, and then actually do it. Now, if I were not a Christian, and I'm sitting in this room, and there are people who are not Christians, and they're sitting in this room, then, then you would say something like this. No, see, Kurt, that's evolution. And what happens is, is that when it gets genetically selected, because what happens is, is that people who help one another are more likely to survive, and so they pass that help one another gene down to other people. And I want to say something. We can say that that's fine and dandy. I'm not saying the whole evolutionary thing. I'm just saying the idea that helping one another is beneficial to us is, in fact, helpful. It, you know, the guy that's totally on their own, they do get killed by the lion, and there they go, Right? Okay, so we can say that that's true, but here's the point. The Christian knows that there's a whole other dimension to this thing. There's a whole other realm, and I want to look at that for a second. I want you to think about something, okay? What God says is, is that let us make human beings in our image. Be like, it's Genesis 1. He's talking about his plan and purpose. He's talking about what he's doing. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Now, what, what does that mean to be created in the image of God? Well, it means a whole lot of things, but we're going to select one out, and we're going to talk about that one today, because that's the one we need. So, who is God? He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It doesn't say, let me make him. It says, let us make him. Right? He's using a plural, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is three personhoods, 
in such complete oneness that he is truly one. Now, he likes that. It is awesome. He loves it. It is glorious. It is love. When we say God is love, what we, that's not an abstract statement, even though it means that too. And when we say God is love, we literally mean the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are so in love with one another that they are indivisibly one. Right? So to be made in his image means that we're going to have something of that going on inside of us, something of this social contract. But let me just take this a little bit deeper, right? That's why he says, by the way, male and female he created them. Because remember, when he saw man was alone, what did he say? The first not good. That's good, 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 good. That, him alone, that ain't good, right? Because I didn't make him to be like that. I made him to be with other people, which means to be going to them. But let's just take it a little bit deeper. See, this is the message, and I love the message, and I don't like the message, but I love the message, and today you're going to hear a lot of the message. Let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, our character, who I am. God created human beings reflecting God's nature. Okay, let's talk about God's nature for a second, okay? Watch this. Do you realize what a pain in the rear end it was for God to create us? He was in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love, glory, relationship. And the first thought, if you can say it that way, and you can't, but the first thought that God ever had about creating mankind, here's what he knew instantly. I'm going to have to make him with free will. They're going to make choices that aren't me. I'm going to have to send myself in the Son in order to redeem them, in order to bring them back to me because I'm giving them free will and they can choose to go away from me and I'm going to have to bring them back to me in some fashion. And the way I'm going to do it is, is that I'm going to go to them and I'm going to let my own creation kill me. And then when someone recognizes that this is what we're doing to God, not just in killing Christ, but in when we make these choices to not go God's way, but to go our own way, I'm going to redeem it by saying, choose Christ, and he's going to fix that. He's going, you're going to be in him, and in him, you're going to be in me. Now, we're talking about his nature, his character. If you and I had that thought, there's actually some people in here that say, okay, I'm going to create human beings, and it's going to cause me all that. Okay, I'll go ahead and do it. But there's a lot of people in here that would make this choice. Why bother? <laughs> right? I mean, it's cool. You know, I'm really happy. <laughs> why, why do all that? Why do that? Really ask yourself the question. God didn't need to do it. So why did he? Because it's in his nature to reach out, to help, to do this thing. Jesus Christ is the ultimate reaching out. Jesus Christ is the ultimate serving another. Helping other people. That's God's nature being seen right there in Christ. Watch this. See, this is how it says it, okay? Now, this is the message. And then when I say I love it, and I, I just love it, but you just got to be a little careful, okay? Whenever you get to paraphrases, you just have to be a little careful. But so too when you're with literal ones. Sometimes they'll just miss some of the depth. So, you know, it's just nice to sort of, you know, I keep telling you, you don't have to be a Hebrew or Greek scholar. There's lots of Hebrew and Greek scholars out there that have done wonderful translations. Just be the kind of person that'll check translations. And you can actually do very sophisticated word studies very easily, despite the fact you don't know Hebrew or Greek. And so watch this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. See, now he's presenting this as Jesus did what we're supposed to do. So he modeled it for us. And this is very true. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. See, he could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. Now you see the way that he's translating. He says, he's saying the joy that was set before Christ was being with God. But can I say something to Eugene right now? You actually missed it. Think about that for a second. He didn't need to make us in order to be with God. He was already with God. <laughs> he didn't need to do that. He didn't, his nature, if it would have been different, if it would have been like, you know, well, it's a hassle, so I'm not going to do it. If his nature wouldn't have been what it is, he wouldn't have done it. 
But what he did do, and I think that this brings it out a little bit better, this other translation, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Where's the emphasis right now in that verse? It's not on being with God as a joy, even though that is incredibly joyful, and that's very much a part of what Christ did. But the emphasis in that one is the joy. What's the joy that he's talking about? Us. Jesus Christ came and got a whole bunch more people in him and took us right into the Trinity. And the Godhead says, yay, <laughs> because it's his, it's, that's his character. That's his nature. The whole of creation is God saying, I'm going to make more because I want more to enjoy what I'm enjoying. Is it going to mean I'm going to have to serve? Does it mean I'm going to have to sacrifice for them? Absolutely. But it is totally worth it. You are totally worth it to him. He's crazy about it. He's like, this is awesome. You make him feel better. You are the manifestation of his desire to be with him. Do you see it? That's his nature. So that means something. If that's God's nature and he made us in, our, in, in his image, then there is something in us that has been built to want to reach out, to want to serve, to want to help. Let us make them in our image to do this thing that we're talking about. Now, Follow that for a second, because we're taking it yet another step now. Now watch this, okay? So here he's saying, I'm doing this, but then he says this, see? This is why he says, you are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here, here's the point that we're going to be working on here for a second. There is a problem, and here's what the problem is. Does everybody in here, if, if, if I tell you, would you like to help me move tomorrow? How many people, that are just being totally serious, and not, no, no, let's not make it me because there might, you might actually, some, let's just say, you know, somebody who just walked in the door, you don't even know them, right? So somebody walks in the door and they say, hey, I need help moving. How many people in here, why don't you raise your hands, because I want you to see there are actually some people like this. I don't know what the heck it is up with you guys, but, but the point is, there's actually some people in here that would go, and they say, hey, I'd like you to help me move, you don't even know them. How many people in here would say, yeah, I'd love to help them move? How many people? That's just about right. You see that? It's just a smattering. You know what I mean? But there really are some people. Would you come and rub shoulders with the rest of us? Would you sprinkle whatever pixie dust you got? You know what I mean? Here's the deal. See, whenever they want to sprinkle the pixie dust on me, because Julie's like this. You know, I live with this person. You know what I mean? She should have rubbed off on me at this point in time. Right? But the bottom line is, is that, you know, I think this way. Now, this is being totally honest, right? When I think about having to help somebody move, the first thing I think about is, is, what if, you know, if my foot got caught in a rusty steel trap and I had to saw it off, I couldn't, ha couldn't help him move, and that might be worth the trade. <laughs> I mean, there is something in me that doesn't really want to do that, right? There, and, and you know what, I really, I, man, I think that Julie is absolutely wonderful, but there is a part of me that really doesn't want to become like her because it means I'm going to have to do stuff like that. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, come on, <laughs> okay? Now, we're going to get this in a little bit more detail, but I just want you to kind of see, see, God is saying something about how to get there, about how to become transformed, because we're recognizing this, this problem is bigger than what I just noted it, but there is a problem in this image of God to go out and help and serve. There is a problem in us, Right? So he says, you're God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do the good things that he planned for you long ago. Now, let me just say, what's a good thing? Good works is another way of translating that. What's a good work? What does that mean? Well, it means to help somebody. <laughs> what else does it mean? Does it mean to dig a ditch? Not unless it's helping somebody. <laughs> right? It's not just dig a ditch to dig a ditch. It's dig a ditch because somebody needs a ditch digged. I did good on that one, didn't I? Dig ditch dug? So I didn't do good. Okay, all right. I thought it came out a little too cleverly. 
good works is helping other people, being that, being that image. Now watch this. Many of you know about experiencing God. This is the best Bible study ever, bottom line. Uh, and I can say that, and I'm totally wrong, of course, but it doesn't matter because I think it anyway. Experiencing God, here's what experiencing God says. It says, if you get to know God, if you really get to know God, and I don't mean sit and listen to a sermon. I mean sit, listen to a sermon, and then be inspired to go out and actually do and when you go out and do, if you really experience him, you will fall in love with him. And it will change every single desire in your heart. It will change you utterly, completely, and totally for the massive good. Now, here's how it happens. And I want to watch. See, we're going to see the problem in here. So what he says is he's, God's always at work. God's always doing stuff. Because he, what's he doing? Because his nature is to do what? Reach out, help, serve, Help, right? So God's always helping people. And so what he does, he's always doing that. One of the things he's doing, by the way, is he's also pursuing a love relationship with you. He loves you and he wants to come into a deeper relationship with you. So what he does is, when you respond at all, when you look around and see what he's doing, and you start to think about doing that, then whenever you see what he's opened your eyes to in terms of somebody needing help, that's an opportunity for you to join him in what he's calling you to do. Your invitation is not a neon sign or a voice in your head. Your invitation is he quickened you to see that need. That's all it takes. He quickened you to dust because that was helpful, because that's important to you. See? So whatever it is you get quickened to, that's your invitation. And then God will tell you what to do about that. He'll speak to your heart. And again, I'm not talking audible voices. It can be that. But basically, he'll let you know what it is that you're supposed to do. So then, when God tells you what to do, here's what's happening. And this is where this goes, even to the people that wanted to help the person. This is true for you, too. When God tells you what to do, he knows who you are, and he's trying to get you to a place of transformation. So the thing that he's asking you to do, even if you like to do things for other people, is going to be something that you don't want to do. <laughs> In a way that you don't want to do it. That's just the way it is. Jesus Christ came and served us by sacrificing his life. That's our model. There is something to this that's very important. So the point is, there's a crisis of belief. <laughs> right? There's a moment where you've got to decide, am I going to do this or not? And plenty of people at that moment in time will go, not. But I'll tell you what, if you say yes, then the first thing that'll happen is, is he'll lovingly. When you say yes, remember what we said? When you say yes, how much effort is a yes? A little bit. And then God does 99.9999999% in order to work that. Now, you still have to keep participating. You just have to keep saying yes. In the adjustment, you have to keep doing that next thing, which there is a cost to you. And to you, it may seem like a big thing, but you've always got to remember that God is just waiting for you to say yes so that he can do the thing that he wants to do so that he can transform you. It's not you transforming yourself. We don't finish in the flesh what was begun in the spirit. We don't take it on our own shoulders to be the answer. We simply make ourselves available for real. And that's a big adjustment because there's a problem in us, a selfishness, right from the garden, right? Right from the very beginning, God had this unbelievable garden in this perfect way and this perfect plan. And the only thing he did in order to make it real free will was said, just don't eat of that tree. <laughs> so what do we go out and do? Have a snack, <laughs> right? There's this fundamental selfishness in us that God is trying to kill through getting you to choose his way. And when you do that, he has built you to respond. Wow. You are built when you get into his will. You go, you know, there was a lot of things that I wanted to do in order to put down whatever pain I might be having in my life, whatever things I'm trying to dull because all of us have, you know, life doesn't work out quite right and, and your marriage is this and your family and your job and there's all kinds of stuff and all kinds of different ways that people can be in pain and the bottom line is, is that we do all kinds of things to escape that pain when God is telling us to engage it because there's something in it that is glorious if we will take it on. Freedom. 
he'll make you want it so bad. I said, I, I said earlier, I don't really want to become like Julie because I don't have to do it. Well, what if I became like Julie so much that I really wanted to do it? And I mean, I really wanted to do it because I'd been totally transformed, right? That's what experiencing God is saying. You get to know God and you just go, wow, man, all those other things, they, at one point in time, they seemed really like they were important and I really liked them and all that kind of stuff. But now they just look like spoiled cloth. They look dirty. They look like not. And so he says to us, we're God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do it. You know, there's another accent in this verse that we need to pick up on, the one that we've been talking about, and that is created anew in Christ Jesus. Remember what I said, the evolutionary person can say the reason why people help each other is because it's beneficial to mankind, so the genes self-select. But now I've been saying something else, which is we are fundamentally broken. And what this verse is trying to point out, which Christians know, because we see our sin... We see our selfishness. We see our choices. And then we also see God at work in our life. And we know that what he had to do in order to free us from ourselves and the choices that we make is to make us new. He had to make us new. He had to put a new nature in us, a new wanter, a new desirer. And then the Holy Spirit is right there helping to guide it, helping to move it, helping to open your eyes to things, helping you to engage those things, helping you to move out in those things. You see it? I mean, this is the way that God built us, and this is the journey that he's got us all on. And if we will engage this journey, it will transform us. Let me just take it one more step. This is Paul or let me say it more accurately, this is God through Paul trying to communicate to us that he gets the problem because I don't understand what I'm doing because I don't practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Nothing good lives in me. That's in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there's no ability to do it. <laughs> I get a sense of what it is that I should be and what I should be doing, and I would really kind of like to be that, except I would really kind of not like to be that too, and I just end up not actually being it either way. And so he says this, Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God, naturally, right? That person ignores who God is and what he's doing. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to him. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Christ, Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With this spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. Right? Right. <laughs> this is good, sound doctrine. We all know it. We all get it in our hearts. We all can't do it. But we make these little simple choices. And as we do that, God keeps showing up and taking us to places that we didn't know we could have got to. And when we get there, we go, now that's cool. Now think about this for a second. This is a church, and I started us off by saying this is a family. And man, this is a spectacular family, and this is an awesome family. And the way that people are involved and the things that they're doing, it just, just blow my mind. And it is so incredible. But I do want you to just think about this for a second. See, God has a unique thing for you to do. His emphasis in that Ephesians verse is on you're his masterpiece. You are not painting number 4,599,632. The same one, right? Produced off of a thing. You're, everybody isn't called to the same thing. Every single person has a fingerprint that is completely unique and has a unique calling, a unique thing that is going to make a difference in their life, that is going to be the transforming. The thing that would work for me would not work for Andrew. It would not transform his life like it would me. And if I tried to take on Andrew's, it wouldn't work for me. See, the way that God says it is this. I want you to think about how this makes you more significant, not less. The fact that you're an individualized, unique, particular, peculiar even, 
person. It doesn't make you less significant. It makes you more. A body isn't a single part blown up into something huge. It's all different. Parts arranged and functioning together. If the foot says, I'm not elegant like the hand. Now just, just please let this read the way that we think. Because that's the way it was meant to be written and read. Read it. What he's trying to say, I couldn't do what Kurt does. Man, you know what? Can I just tell you? You've seen how many people have stood up here in the, serve, in the pulpit because we do this all the time. There's people that do better than I do all the time. There's people that can do all kinds of things, but that's still not everybody. Everybody has their place, has their unique thing. If, if a foot says, I'm not elegant like a hand embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If an ear said, I'm not beautiful like the eye, limpid and expressive. I, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all an eye, how could it hear? If it was all an ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. What we have is one body with many parts, each proper size, proper place, no part important on its own. Can you imagine the eye telling the hand, get lost, I don't need you, or the head telling the foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the thing that we think of as lesser, the more basic is more necessary. You can live without an eye, but can you live without a stomach? When it's a part of your own body, you're concerned with it. It makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to a full-bodied hair? <laughs> Can I just say, you got to love Eugene Peterson, right? I mean, come on, who would write that as a translation of Scripture? And yet, i got to tell you, people have been reading that passage for a long time and never understood that that's exactly what God was trying to say. The way God designed our body is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention, the parts we don't, the parts we see, the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. You can express what God made you to be on your own, and it won't be anything. Most people would never even get that far. They wouldn't express it at all. But I tell you what, you come into a family and you start being that part of the family that God has made you to be. A lot of people in dysfunctional families go to the good family. Go to the one where every person has their role and every person is incredibly important and the whole family flourishes precisely because every part is its unique part. Now briefly, I'm going to do something right here just to really bring this home to you. Worship steering team, would you come up? Those of you who are around here know about steering teams. Those of you who are not, let me explain just briefly. And let me say this. This church really discovered at one point in time, stand right here, guys. This person, and I need a mic. Oh, thank you. This church discovered something at one point in time, and that was that the pros were the problem. That God was trying to take people into works that he had prepared for them to do, and that people weren't entering into, what's going on? Kevin didn't get the shirt from that. Oh, you didn't get the shirt from that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I've always been the odd one out. Well, there you go. That's awesome. Okay, now, what, the, what this church realized was is that when you hire somebody to do a job that God was meaning to be done in the body, you rob the body of the thing that would have discipled the person. That's a fundamental truth, and I've got to tell you, that is very different than how churches work because it's a lot easier to do it the other way around. But the truth is, is that what God cares about is growing people. So we've got to go through this process of growing people, and sometimes it can be very inelegant. This happens to be one team that had it, it's in elegant moments, but is really flying high right now, so we're featuring a good one, okay? 
But you all know, if you've been around here, there's other ones that are, you know, we're struggle. But, but that's all part of the process, right? I really believe something. In the end, if we're really doing this successfully, there's people that have jobs. These guys all have other jobs. None of them are paid. None of them do this professionally, so quote, unquote. Some of them have done it that way before. But the bottom line is they all have jobs and something else. But I really believe something. If you get it right on the steering teams, it's not about getting the tasks done. It's about the fact when you have to work through issues and so on, you begin to learn how to go to another person and find out what their story is in a way that you fall in love with them so that you now treat them with a different kind of respect than you did that person at work that you didn't respect. But you hear a person's story and it's impossible not to fall in love with them. And all of a sudden you fall in love with them and you start caring about them. And then you start being, you know, and you, you realize, oh my gosh, the reason why we had friction is because you're this part and I'm this part. And it turns out we needed both parts. And now all of a sudden you go back to work and your boss says, you know, you're better than you used to be. <laughs> you work with people better. You're a different person now. Would you help us figure out how to do this? You see how God is trying to take this, not just in this church, he's trying to take this right into the community. So with this kind of thought in mind, go for it. Tell me, guys, uh, you know, what's, what's the good stuff? What's the bad stuff? You don't have to, you know... Uh, here, let me. Bad stuff. No, no. Bad stuff. He comes to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really want to ask a question, okay? And and you you gave me some responses, so I had some sense of that. I want you to talk about, for real, what has it meant for you to be on this team, you personally? Uh, well, for me, wow, this feels really loud. So I apologize. Um, l let me think. So I've been. Do leading worship off and on for about 10 years, and about six of those 10 years, was, I was like the guy, um, the professional that yeah. we, we fire here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks um, a lot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so coming on this team was like a, a weird adjustment for me. Like, I can no longer just make a decision and it happens. Now I have to bring up a decision, get it shot down, get it brought back up. <laughs> <laughs> like kind of fight through it and it, and we what ends up happening is the decision that I would have made that was a bad decision ends up not happening which is good or if it's a good decision we end up saying well it'd be better if we did it this way it'll be even better if we did it this way it'll be even better if we did it this way and my decently good idea becomes awesome um, amen and so that's kind of how we roll and it started <laughs> really bad <laughs> um, <laughs> there's there's been a couple times where we've had to like go to a happy hour and, and work our issues out <laughs> and uh some ap some apologizing happened and some understanding has to have happened and and i genuinely like i love all these guys and i for a while i was i didn't like going to the meeting because like oh what are we going to disagree about now what idea do I have that's going to get shot down today? And now that we've kind of worked out our issues and we've learned how to communicate and we've learned how to respect each other, uh, I love going to steering team meetings and I love hearing Adam's perspective on my maybe good, maybe terrible idea. And I love hearing awesome. Greg's perspective on my idea and I love hearing Will's perspective on, on things. And I love hearing their ideas and trying to uh, make their ideas better. And uh, that's Adam? You've just taken on a new job, so you've got no time, baby, and all that kind of stuff, everything else. Why do you prioritize this? I think, I feel like this is a team, because I do too, which we'll talk about, but I feel like this is a team that God almost like keeps me in, which is really interesting. Um, I've, I've never, I said, I was kind of against steering teams to begin with, because I was like, ah, oh, four people, like, how are they going to make a decision? You know, how are you going to get four people? And when I sit down every Saturday with these guys, we have four completely completely different personalities. And it's really what's, what it's created to be. I mean, none of us, I don't think, ever think the same. And it's, I love it. I love, I love that um, we're, I mean, I think strong, we're very strong personalities. But God, I get to watch God, like, no, this is what I've created at Lake Sam. I'm taking four different people, and I'm giving them one responsibility, and that's just to do what I ask. And I am privileged, like, I feel like it's almost like a small group every Saturday when we get together. Because there isn't a week that we don't walk out of there having discussed a personal issue that we're dealing with. And I've awesome. got, we've got four strong men of God to pray for that. It's awesome. I, I think that um, 
we do have inelegant moments still. That's why Amy Osaki is uh, me, yeah, the oracle is what we call her in our group because. <laughs> Amen. I, I, she completely does not like, by the way. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't like the role, but apparently she likes us or has been assigned by Kurt or is being paid a special amount of money. Um, but um, this. This is the best small group I've ever been in. When I first came into this group, all I heard about was Troy Smith. And, of course, I thought I was going to replace Troy because I had been a guy, a worship pastor for 20-plus years. And, of course, with Troy's exit, it meant that I was the next one. And I got stuck with these guys that every time I brought up something, they'd go, no. Do you know how much older I am than you, by the way? You know, and... I would sometimes just bring things up so that they'd say no to me, you know, because Maureen said I needed it. But I have, I have during the week since these last two years, during the week I think about how's Kevin doing, and I lift him up. I wonder how Adam's doing with his job. I wonder how Jackson is in joy. You know, I wonder how the new job's going. I wonder how Will is doing this week, and, and it, it's an impetus to prayer. I care more about these guys as my brothers in the Lord than I do that the worship steering team do well or that we have our, you know, list in order of people who are going to play and so forth. But it's made me a better leader. I cannot believe what comes out of these guys as far as um, their wisdom as young men of God compared to my age because I didn't have it when I was their age. And the way that they think and the way that they respond makes me a better person, and it keeps me young, too. Now, let me just say, worship is important. Worship is really important. But I just think you just communicated what's even more important in God's heart, right? It doesn't have to be perfect. This heart behind it, I think that's one of the reasons why God is blessing worship like he is, because the heart behind it is right. Will, go ahead. <laughs> it's really hard to follow that. I don't know that I really have anything to add. I think it's just important to remember that um, like as we're putting our hands to these things and really sharing our hearts with one another, we just recognize that it's Jesus Christ that changes us. You know, it's Amen. it's not the work that we're doing together, but it's the work of Christ in our lives, the Holy Spirit active within us, challenging us and shaping us. And just just real quick, you have a job. You're a student. You 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 know you have less time than anybody that I know. How do you make time? Uh, sometimes when it comes to prayer, the Lord wakes me up in the middle of the night to pray for people. I don't know. Like, honestly, I, I don't know how I make time for it. All I know is that um, I just feel like God's directing my steps. And as I get excited about things and passionate about things, I'm just going to do it and see, like, let the Lord set my boundaries and not try to pick them for myself. So I, I don't know that there's, like, a good, this is how I... Like, set it up. But now, that was so a better sermon than I just preached, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay, let's go. you guys go. Adam, I'm keeping you up here. I could have brought the whole U-string team up, but we do have a little bit of a time problem, so I wanted to do it. Adam is part of a team that is doing youth, okay? And I just wanted to say, you said something really cool to me as we were leaving the other day about why it is that you do youth. So, go ahead. I always, when I, we would pray for a debrief, I, if I get to pray, I always tell God it's a privilege. I always consider it a privilege. It's not a right that I get to work with young people. But I do it because it's, I can't describe to you guys in words what it's like when you see, and they, Andrew and Michelle get this, when you see the light bulb go off in a, in a youth's head when they realize what their identity is in Christ and how much he loves them. To, be, to get to be part of that, I mean, selfishly, that's why I love it. I, like, I'm not going to lie. It's true. Because they need to know that. And they're this church is so unique because the students that are coming, I've always grown up in a recycled youth group, which is what I call it. You know, you go from children's to youth to college and you're done. And you just get the same Christian kids. But the students that are coming in, man, they're coming in from broken families, broken school situations. They don't even know who God is. And when all of a sudden, they, you just get that, as Kurt as I said before, the aha moment where they're like, oh, what? God, this God that, like, he died? What? Man, I... It just, it's so humbling that I, that God is even letting me be part of that experience. Amen. Amen. I'm going to, I'm going to have Dee Woodbury come up, okay? 
Uh, and the reason why, I, I tried to pick sort of a selection across the board, okay? That was steering teams. It's direct ministry type stuff. You get that. Here's D. You know, this is, this is that little different kind of a case. Do what D comes in. This helps Julie and does things in the office and so on. So why do you do that? <laughs> I think it started when I heard Phil Smart talk about, he's, he's the Mercedes dealership in Seattle, and he's talked about what do you do in your other eight? You have eight hours of work, eight hours of sleep, and what do you do for the other eight to serve God? And I kind of purposed to say that I would work at least four hours a week doing something for God. And so I came into the office, and I looked, and, and they put me into different jobs, and uh, I guess I got Julie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it isn't me working for Julie. It's God working for Julie. Did you guys go to the future forestry? Yes. Okay, a lot of you heard from me either by text or email or phone calls to see if you could help Julie. And she said it was just a blessing of God how everybody showed up, and I just thank you. And it isn't what I did. I was just there to do for Julie to help her job run smoothly. And so, you know, my choice is to choose to go once a week at a certain time because that way I can schedule my life. But it doesn't always work that way, but that's, that's what I choose to do. I can't just say I'm interested in helping. I have to set aside that time. And so, um, and, and what, what is good in growing from this is just reflecting on the outcome, like the, the people that help on a certain uh, project of Julie's and how that looks. And I just feel like I'm, I'm being useful, and that's why I do it. That's awesome. Thank you, Dee. I love you so much. <laughs> okay, Anna, where are you? Now, you got to give her a big clap right now because she really doesn't want to do this. <laughs> okay? All right. Can I just ditto whatever they all said? <laughs> yes, yes. This is, you know, full-time school teacher, all these kinds of responsibility, yet comes here, serves in a very deep way on our Lakeside Kids team, is on that steering team too, and so on, and everything else. Why do you do this? Um, <laughs> Jesus, right? Is that the right answer? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you get out of it? I, it's a joy, I think, is really the right word. I've been trying to figure out exactly what it is. I've tried not working with kids for a couple years when I was in college. I was like, oh, I'm grown up now. I don't need to continue to work with the kids. And life just was different. I was overwhelmed more. I was more busy. Everything just seemed to be... Um, overwhelming so I got back in working with kids and that was the difference my life just became more meaningful oh goodness I'm so, so we, <laughs> we say that when you give a tithe and this isn't a tithe sermon I just want it's an illustration when you give a tithe we say if you let your budget determine then then you're gonna always be under that dominion that kingdom and that logic what she does because she has no time is she volunteers to do something that God has called her to do. And what God does is, is give her time. <laughs> this is how it works. This is the truth of serving God. Do you have anything else you want to say? I, I want to agree with Adam about the relationship. Just forming that relationship with those kids is so rewarding. It just makes it worth dragging myself out of bed those days I don't want to go. Yeah. You know, I work 12 hours a day with kids, it feels like, yeah. during the week. And so... Some Sundays I just don't want to get out of bed, crawling, coming yeah. in here and helping with kids again. Because if you've worked with kids, it takes energy, a <laughs> lot of energy. <laughs> so sometimes I just don't feel like it, and I'll do it anyway because I've made that commitment, and then it's, that relationship is so rewarding. Awesome. Thank you. I love you. I love you. Thank you. You did great. <laughs> All right. Pull this out. Okay, it, it looks like a little carpet. Thank you, ushers, for helping people that do not have these. If you are visiting here right now, would you do me a favor? Go ahead and read the bulletin for one second. We're going to take about two minutes. Pam, would you come up and give us a little background? We are not done with the sermon, by the way. I know we're just a little bit late, but I, I want to do something. We have a really cool thing that we're going to do right after this. So this is going to take about a minute to two minutes to do. And then we're going to do this. And this is the cool thing for the day. So you do not want to leave right now. Hang in there. Sorry about that. Okay, now, here's what I want you to do. Pull this out and take a look on this side of it. You see where it says steering teams and descriptions? Got it? Okay. Now, take a look. There's all kinds of things to be done, and here's what I want you to do. Just circle ones that might be it. 
Here's what you're doing on this card. You are not signing up to be part of a ministry. You're signing up to have somebody give you a call and talk about where it is that you really do fit. I know that there's people out there that are saying this to themselves. I'm not going to fill this out right now. I'll take it home and I'll pray about it and then I'll hand it back in. Can I say something to you? This is the beginning of a conversation. Your intention may be to go pray about it and fill it out, but how many times does that actually happen? And even if it would happen in your case, let me make the argument, this is the beginning of a dialogue with the church about where God has called and made you to be. So I'm asking you to fill it out, and when we call you, say, you know what, I prayed and I thought about it, and it really isn't that area. After all, it really is that area, in which case we'll have that person call you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm asking, there should be no reason why anybody shouldn't fill it out unless you're visiting. But even if you're visiting, if you're under 200 miles, I'm sure you can come and help us every Sunday. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. All right. You, you can stay in Cheney. It's fine. Okay. All right. Communications team. Okay. Writing, editing, social media, graphic design, photography, marketing. Just let the Holy Spirit just kind of speak to your heart. Just circle something that might be interesting. You're not even signing up now. You're going to do that on the back. Community care team, pastoral care, outreach, benevolence, meals, child care, serving the needy, facilities, landscaping, handyman, electrical, HVAC. That's, if you don't know what HVAC is, don't sign up on that one. <laughs> Asphalt, concrete, okay? Hospitality, cooking, assisting in the kitchen, serving food, coffee service, set up, tear down, events, Sunday morning, etc. Is, is that somewhere in your wheelhouse? Lake Sam Kids, teaching, mentoring, leading, activities, administration, hospitality, technical. By the way, this isn't even a comprehensive list, but just look at all the different things that God has created for us to be and do. Um, I did office, right? Did I do office? General office help, sorting, data entry, proofreading. We need a lot of proofreading. We could really use a couple on those. Reception duties, Photoshop, Excel, Word, detail-oriented individuals. By the way, that's not the staff. When I said that, the staff corrects me. I'm talking about me. I need proofing galore. Johnny Usaki, I love you. Okay? Uh, prayer team, ministering, praying. Tech team. This is probably the one I'd be involved in because I love messing with the cameras and that kind of stuff. Co um, uh, tech team, coordinating Sunday service, videos, editing videos, operating the soundboard, video cameras. Welcome team. I really want to highlight this one. We have a really cool thing that we are going to be doing in the next few months that is a, just a really great idea. And, and we really want some new people on this thing and so on. So if this is at all in your bailiwick, if you're all extroverted, we have a way of you being able to help people at a whole nother level than just handing out a bulletin or something, which is valuable. But there's a whole cool idea that has been developed and we want to cast some vision and have you refine it. So greeting, hosting, ushering, uh, staffing the guests, check-in tables, etc. Worship team, musicians, vocalists, youth teams, leading, mentoring, facilitating activities. We sign up for that one. <laughs> Circle it and then turn it over and then just do this. I currently serve on a Lake Sam team. Thank you. Tell us which team you're on. And then say, do you wish to stay on this team? Yes or no? Right? If you do, great, you're done. If you're ready for a change, which team would you like to try? This would be this idea. Even if you're on a team, you know what? I'm on a team, but I, I wouldn't mind talking to somebody about this. Maybe, maybe God's calling me to something, okay? We want you where God wants you. We don't want you where the need is. God has the need already filled in us. You have to find the place that God wants you to be. Don't be in a place because you feel like nobody else will be there. You're stealing that place from somebody who should be there and would be growing in God. Be where God wants you, okay? You'll know because there's a joy in it. That thing that God has made you to be will respond, okay? Uh, so I do not currently serve on a team, but would like to explore. Great, which team? Write down a particular team. We're picking these up, by the way, in just a second, so... All right. Uh, I am not sure which team to join. No problem. We can help you decide. Uh, would you like somebody to contact you? There you go. And then, as always, whenever we do these things, please do give us your current contact information so that we can keep it up to date. Okay? It's just important. And I know it can be a pain to write it down. But a lot of times, you know, you change your email address and we don't know, so we're sending it to some dead address. Okay? So please put down that kind of stuff. So take a minute right now. We're going to take one minute. I'm going to have you fill out the rest of the card. The ushers are going to come by and pick them up. So if you don't have a card, you'll feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I just don't want you to, okay? But fill out these cards, and ushers, thank you for coming forward. And then we're going to do this last thing that we're going to do, okay? And again, oops on time.
people need to write in their email address. We didn't apparently have an email thing on there, so we need to write in the email address. What was that? Okay, start passing them to the in rows, right? Okay, so the guys can pick them up and just start passing them in. All right, did I give you enough time? I see some people not quite there. Go slow, ushers, okay? Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, help this be a day of a yes that you're going to take and turn into a total transformation, a total new life. Let it be a day that is, one thing is going to lead to another. Let people go ahead and move and step out. Thank you, God. Just give them a boldness. Give them a peace. Let them know that they're not going to be harangued. They're going to be helped only. Thank you, Lord. And now the moment I've been waiting for. Go ahead and let me just talk and then you can come back in. All right. This is just cool. You see the carpet out there. We raised money for it last year. We got the carpet. Thank you, Dave Vellata, again. Thank you to the facilities team. Wow on you guys. Think about it now. That was a project that was not staff or pastor initiated at all. The facilities team owning this looked out there and said, we need to replace the carpets, figured out the, the thing and did the whole thing. But we did leave the entryway open. And you saw that, and we did it on purpose. We could have had it done for you when you first got here in Labor Day, back, you know, back to school type stuff. But we didn't want to do that. And the reason why was because we wanted to make you a part of the fabric of this church. Now, let me just tell you what I'm talking about when I say that. When you think about, is, is, is carpet the foundation of a church? Is it? Of course not. So symbolically, what's a foundation? What does it relate to spiritually? God. God's the foundation of a church, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the things that they do, that's the foundation of a church. Okay, so is the carpet, the, the framing, the walls, the ceiling, that kind of stuff? Is that what? Well, no, that's not what the carpet is, right? It's not that, right? You can have a house without carpet at all, right? You can do that. So what is the framing then, spiritually? If God's the foundation, what is the physical manifestation of his presence in the world in terms of walls and stuff? See, the foundation's below ground, you can't see it. What's the stuff that's above ground that the world can see? Us, right? Us. So we are the, the, the framing and the walls and the ceiling and, and, and we're the structural element that he has. But now I want you to think about something, see? All right, and by the way, this is when it says, don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives here to give to you by God. Okay, but watch this. Okay? You can have a house that looks like that. Yeah, I got a foundation there. I got, I got floors and frames and ceilings and the whole. You can live in that house. You can live in that house. So now let me ask you, what's carpet again? What's it for? Comfort is good, but let me just say, it makes it more attractive. It makes a place more attractive. I want you to think about that for a second. We are the structural elements of the church. If we are the structural elements of the church and we are not entered into the places that God has called and made for us since before the foundation of the world, if we are not entering into the place that God has for us, if we are not becoming a fragrant incense to Him and the world, as we are being transformed into his likeness and image, into his nature being manifest, if we are not doing that, how attractive is the building? It's not very attractive. So what's the floor? The stuff that makes it attractive. It's the stuff that makes you as you are going through this, this is the fabric. This is very utilitarian. There's a utilitarian aspect to it. It does make it nicer to walk on. It's more comfortable. It looks aesthetically pretty and so on. But the real truth of it is I want you to think about what carpeting really is. It has a utilitarian function, but that is not its full purpose. Its full purpose is actually aesthetic. 
It's attractional. I want to say something. We're going to do something right now. On the back of these, with a felt tip pen, we're going to write something on the back of these. We're going to take a small step. And we're going to expect God to meet that step because it's the thing that he told us to do. Here's what we're going to write on the back of these carpets. I'm going to ask you, I've already asked you through email and I said it last week. And if you don't know, just think about it now and you'll have plenty of time to do this. But what I want you to do is, I want you to write on the back of there, what, has, what do you believe God has called Lake Sam to be? You can use a scripture. He has called us to go, into, go therefore into all the nations and make disciples of all people, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and You can write a scripture down if you want. But you could also say something like this. I want this church to be a place where the Holy Spirit is manifesting in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want this place to be a place that is reaching our community, that is making a difference in Christ, in our community. I believe that God has called this church to whatever it is that you believe he's called to. And I'm going to tell you, there'll be as many different things as he's called us to as there are people here. And what we're going to do is we're going to write these things down on the back of here, and then we're going to plant these out there in that, that hallway, and we're going to glue them down. And here's what we're doing. This is a prayer. I believe that God said this is what this church is to be, and every time I see that square, because you're going to see right where it is, because you're going to put it, and we're going to glue it right where you put it. So every time you see that carpet, you're going to remember, I believe that God called this church to be that. You see that? And I believe that if we will continually and faithfully pray for something, that God has this funny way of showing up and actually doing it. So that's what we're going to do. Now, do understand something. We have a role. So when you write this down, I also want it to be, you know what a memorial stone is in the nation of Israel? God would tell them to build up a memorial stone. What was that about? Well, God had done something, and he wanted you to remember it. Why? Because he wanted you to live in the light of it. He wanted you to be responding to it. He wanted you, you know who God is, now be accordingly. So these squares are also going to do something that I'm just really excited about. Every time I step over my and Julie's square, we're doing this as family units. Every time that Julie and I step over that square, every time I see that square, I'm not only going to know that I gave a prayer. And by the way, we have the prayers that we ask for when we ask according to his will. So if you believe that God has called you to do this and you're laying down that prayer, right? But the second thing is, is I know that I have a role in making it happen. And this square is going to remind me every time I step on it, every time I walk up to it, every time I see it, it's going to remind me, I think that God has called us to do this and I have a role to make it so. You see that? Now, I forgot to take an offering, didn't I? So ushers, come forward. Because what we're going to do right now is we're going to take an offering, and then after the offering, what we're going to do, and we're not taking communion today, I'm too late, sorry, okay? I'd love to do that, but we're going to take the offering instead. And then what I want you to do is, it may take some time, you can go get your kids, bring them back with you, you can go somewhere in the building, wherever you want to go, take, a, take some pens, and with your family unit, I want you to write down the things that you feel like God has called you to do and to be, and then follow the instructions out, there'll be people that'll be leading so that we don't end up just moving the carpets but bottom line is we'll be going out that door so come back into the room and then and then we'll be filling them in towards the entryway and by the way there's lots of people who aren't here today uh we'll be giving them an opportunity to also to get it down because we want everybody to be in on this because we want to make all of us a part of the fabric because after all that is what this church is this church is not anything but you and i god through us